you know, until, until you get to know somebody, you don't really know, well, how do you want it done, right? I mean, after a while, you would figure it out, but starting out, it, it would be a lot of pressure, you know, and um, I know when we first were doing our book, uh, on our, our Healing Covenant book, you know, part of, the, part of the work on that is you have to read, I mean, we read, I estimated we read about 100,000 verses to put, the, put that book together, and we only kept out about less than 7,000, so that means you had to get rid of 93,000 verses, right? And so uh, that's a lot of pressure. Then, well, well, it's like getting rid of a child almost. You know, well, how do you, how do you decide not to use this verse? Uh, and for me, it was just pretty easy, you know, but like Chris, she hadn't done that that much, and she struggled with it at first because, you know, are, are, you, making a, are you making a judgment that this verse is, is not a good verse or not a good train? You're not really making a judgment here. Uh, really, the, the mentality is, does this verse improve, does this version improve our understanding of the verse? And so that's really all you're looking at, you know, you're not making a judgment call on this, on the translator itself. But starting out, you know, things like that can be difficult to find the grace to do that. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> anyway, it's, uh, 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 and I said that about uh, Brother Hagen because I'm not sure that that he would be the kind of person that it would be okay to ask him a thousand questions, right? <laughs> I just don't see him being that way. And so, fortunately, uh, his books were, were mostly just transcribed from his messages, and he was very orderly in, in how he spoke and in, in, uh, uh, the message that he gave. So they were, it was uh, reasonably straightforward to pull that context out of his speaking and put it into a book. But still, you had to fill in the gaps, you know, and what did you, you know, what, how would you say it, you know, and, and even, you know, you can, uh, uh, not, not that it's a big deal, but I can usually tell uh, in reading some of Brother Hagin's books, okay, this book was, was written by a different editor, you know, because they'll add little comments in there that, okay, he would never say it that way, right, and, it, and just because you get to know somebody and, and how they speak after a while and the words that they use, and in fact, I, I was... Uh, reading something after about him that he said when he first started that uh, his wife got onto him because she said, you use so many big words, so many big $64 words. She said, all you do is spend all your time defining what those words are. She said, just use simpler words. And of course, I didn't know Brother Hagen when he taught like that. You know, uh, I've always observed that he teaches very uh, simple words, right? Not simpleton words, but just, you know, straightforward words that everybody can understand. Uh, and I didn't realize that it was because his wife had fussed at him for not using all those big words. Yeah, we, we had a, a minister at my pastor's church years ago. He came and he liked, he liked $64 words, you know, and, and he liked using $64 words. Yeah, and, you know, the problem is, you know, we were pretty much a $32 word kind of church, right? But he liked $64 words. And so the pastor went to him many times and said, hey, you know, I mean, that's great that you know the $64 words. The people that you're speaking to don't know those words. And so it would be helpful to speak fewer $64. I mean, sometimes you got to pull one out of the hatch, you know, just, you know, that way you all know that how intelligent we are, right? But, uh, uh, you know, sometimes a big word is necessary, helpful. It's, it's maybe the only word that's, that's sufficient for that, that uh, the context. But uh, in general, you know, uh, if you look at the, the way Jesus spoke, you think Jesus knew any $64 words? I'd say he probably knew quite a few $64 words. He probably knew all the $64 words. <clears throat> and yet uh, his writings are pretty straightforward. You know, he doesn't really use very complicated uh, words or phrases uh, in, in his speaking. And so, uh, but even though my pastor, he, he never did. The minister never did adjust the way he spoke 
to, to meet his audience. You know, if you're speaking to a bunch of PhDs or doctors, you know, uh, you know, for me, if I'm talking to another engineer, uh, you know, uh, Chris just roll her eyes. She'd be like, you know, what are y'all talking about? You know, what words are you using? Uh, because we'll talk about things just, you know, at an engineering level, and, and you know, that's fine. Uh, but if I'm not talking to, I'm not going to speak to somebody else who's not an engineer like they're an engineer because it, all it does is, is make them fear, feel inferior or it, it, it implies that I'm thinking that they're inferior um, by, by treating them that way because it's really disrespectful to treat somebody that way, to speak to them with the intention of them not understanding you. Uh, uh, now, you know, uh, that, the only exception is when your children are small, right? And so when they're small, they ask 10,000 questions. So after a while, you give them more and more uh, detailed and more scientifically based answers so they don't know what you're talking about after and they quit asking questions. So that when that works, you know, Anne-Marie used to do that. She was the question ask, asker. And after a while, I'd start talking about nuclear forces and strong forces and weak forces and, you know, uh, energy levels and, you know, all these things. And, and she'd be like, you could just see the gears stop turning in her head. And so then, so you got a little bit of peace and quiet. So uh, it is a good strategy, you know, not unlike my parents, they, they spoke fluent French and uh, they, they taught out of the 11 kids, they taught the first three or four how to speak French. And then they realized that it, it was really a strategic advantage to not teach us French so that they could use that against us. And so they would be just be talking and then they would switch over to French. And of course, I had no idea what they were saying. So they, so they instead of being a valuable uh, uh, skill to teach us, they used it as a strategic advantage against us. And, and um, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I did take a couple years of French, but you know, unless you're in, in, in uh, embedded in France, and when I took French, uh, my parents were already gone, so uh, uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, use that to help uh, minimize their advantage over us. And so, uh, but anyway, praise God, the Lord is good, Amen. Uh, and so, um, uh, we got a busy week this week, but uh, uh, we've always got the grace to do these things. And so, looking forward to Saturday. Of course, we're always looking forward to the prayer service, but looking forward to Saturday and seeing all the people out here. I, I imagine this will be a big uh, strawberry festival. And, and uh, they, they had it last year though, right? And, um, um, and uh, it seems to get bigger every year. And of course, they've got the, uh, um, uh, the carnival next door there where all the devils live. And so, if uh, <laughs> you like a carnival or not, but uh, anybody ever read the book, uh, uh, This Present Darkness? It's a, it's a novel, right? It's, so it's a fiction. Uh, but all the bad things happen in the carnival right in that book, so, <laughs> so uh, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting book, you know, it's just, it's, uh, uh, you got to take things with a grain of salt, but um, anyway, the Lord is good, so why don't we go to the Lord in prayer, we'll get started tonight, so Father, we do thank you for your word, and Father, we come to your word humbly as servants of the Most High God, thanking you that your spirit lives big within us to teach us and instruct us what your word says and how to apply it to our life, and so we thank you for that, Father. Uh, and we thank you that you will speak to us, Father. You will grant to us revelation, insight, wisdom, and knowledge to your word. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our, our Bibles up to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. Uh, and uh, we've gotten down to uh, verse 14. But uh, I really want to read uh, verse 13 and 14 together because the, the thoughts are kind of combined there between those two. It's really a continuous thought between those two verses. So he says in verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, uh, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, and so, uh, just one other point about the forgetting things there from verse 13. You know, in all of these things, in, in, in all of the commandments, because this is a, is this a suggestion or commandment? Uh, it's, a, it's a commandment, right? We are supposed to forget. We are required to forget. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you have the inherent knowledge and ability to forget, amen? Many of the things in the Word of God, you have to train yourself, teach yourself, practice in doing these things, and to be a doer of the Word, amen? So you don't come out of the womb being a doer of the Word. It's things that, that require diligence and effort on your part. Because you said there in verse 14, I press toward. So there's diligence and effort required to do these things. And so uh, oftentimes people say, I just can't forget. Uh, and and uh, they're really just quitting the word. They're really quitting the effort that's required to do that. And maybe it's because uh, I, know, I know when I became a Christian, even at 15 years old, there were still a lot of things that I did and thought and acted uh, the same way I did before I was born again. Just, you know, uh, my mind and how I thought and how I reacted to things and how easily I was upset by certain experiences or certain words or comments that were made to me. Uh, and uh, even though I was born again on my way to heaven, my spirit was made brand new. But my mind was not renewed, and my flesh was still used to being in charge. My emotions were still used to being in charge. Uh, because prior to being born again, your spirit is rarely ever in charge of your life. It's generally speaking your flesh and your, your emotions and your mind, your thought life. And so it takes some effort to, to move in this direction. Uh, and so you have to decide, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the effort to... Uh, for a usually it's a short period of time people think this is it's going to take me years to do this and, and it's rare that uh, that these things will take years to to get established in your life this training to learn how to forget or training on, on how to put things that are uh, put things behind uh, or training on how to reach forth now, these things are not uh, that you got to spend the rest of your life learning because if you had to spend the rest of your life learning everything you would never learn anything in the word amen uh, and so you have to appreciate, number one, that the Spirit of God and the grace of God are always there to help you implement whatever the Word says to do in your life. Uh, and so uh, there's been plenty of times when the Lord has rebuked me for not living the Word you know, over the years, uh, and, and I will tell him, well, then, uh, Lord, uh, you need to show me how, uh, how we, uh, me and your grace, are going to get this done. Because I always assume that he's going to help me to change and become the person that I want to be, as opposed to, Lord, I'm trying so hard, but I just can't seem to do it. And, uh, and uh, you know, you've got to take a, uh, you've got to take, um, uh, well, look at your own life in that uh, and decide uh, you're not doing it. But usually the issue is at, in the core of, of just your own heart, you just don't want to do it, right? Uh, and you, but you have to come to that conclusion that I just don't want to do that. And if you'll come to that conclusion, at least you can recognize, okay, then I, then I need to change. Instead of trying to implement this thing, I need to first change my heart to, to desire to do God's word. And see, once you get your willingness there, see, then the obedience becomes a little easier to do. A lot of times we try to, uh, to obey without being willing. And, and, it, and if you train yourself to be that kind of Christian that, that you obey but you're not willing, you're really a hypocrite. You're, 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 you have the facade of being a Christian, but in your heart, it's like, I don't really want to do that. You know, I, I mean, I'm going to act the part, but you know, I'm going to say I forgive you, but I'm really not going to forgive you because I don't want to. Uh, and, and that's really a, a bad place to get to as a Christian where 
where how you live on the outside is completely different than how you feel and how you think and how you act on the inside. And really, Christians should be very transparent. Uh, in fact, remember there in, in Mark or Matthew 5, 8 in the Beatitudes, where he said that the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart shall see God. And the word pure there, if you go over and look at, in, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the, the, uh, uh, the streets of gold and the walls of, of heaven. And it says that it's made out of uh, gold that's transparent. And the word transparent there is the same word as pure found in uh, Matthew chapter 5. So it's tra- you can see right through it. And so, you know, Christian, whatever you see should be the same on the inside and the outside. There shouldn't be any distinction in there. You should be transparent. And, and, and when I look at you, I should see your heart. Instead of looking at you and I see the facade of Christianity, but inside it is you know, your whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones is what Jesus called the Pharisees, right? right. Uh, and so you're not transparent, you're hiding, right? You're hiding behind. And a lot of Christians do that because they're afraid, well, I don't want you to see how I am. Well, then probably how you are is not how you should be. If you're concerned that you, you, you don't think people will like how you really are, then maybe you should change how you are. Well, I, I'm not going to change who I am. You should change who you are. You should change who you are to look like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to act like Jesus. Nothing wrong with doing that. Now, and, and if you think you shouldn't have to do that, then you might want to question, did you ever accept him as your Lord? I mean, I, we all have things to struggle with. We all have things we're dealing with. We all have areas in our lives that maybe even for years we've struggled with changing, but in general, we're trying to get there. Uh, and there may be some strongholds that we just haven't broken down in our life. And that's a pretty normal part of Christianity. But there are occasions people who just are so full of rebellion and they just don't want to be a Christian. They don't want to act like a Christian. And, and, of course, I'm nobody's judge, but I do wonder, did they ever actually accept the Lord Jesus? Amen. Did they ever actually say, Lord, you are my Lord, uh, and I will worship I declare that, that, uh, that you are Lord over my life, which means I now have somebody that's over me, that I answer to, that I will, I will do as he instructs me to do. Now, that's what it means to confess him as Lord. Amen. Now, and yet a lot of Christians... They confess him as Lord the minute they get saved, but they never let him be Lord in any area of their life. And so he's like, did you really mean it then? I, again, I'm nobody's judge, but if there's nothing, no area in your life where the Lord's ever said, hey, change that, and you did, you might want to question whether or not you ever accepted the Lord. Now, you know, I think the, the group here tonight, I think I'm pretty, pretty confident that we all did, uh, but I do know Christians who, they live such carnal lives in every area of their life, right, where they just... They'll just do what they want to do, say what they want to say, go where they want to go, and you know uh, they never seem to ever yield to any convictions of the Word of God or the Spirit of God. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, it does take effort. It does, especially if you're not the if, if you're like me. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, our mentality was: if you do something wrong to me, you're dead to me. You're on the list till forever. Uh, and, and once you get on the list, there's nothing you can do or say to get off the list. You are on the list till forever. Uh, we like the mafia, right? I mean, you just you mess with us and, uh, and, uh, and you're dead to us. Uh, and you have to change that because that does not line up with forgetting those things which lie behind. Amen. That, that, that's the exact opposite of forgetting what lies behind. That means you're going to track everything that's ever been behind you and, and make sure people rem- remember that, that you know what they did. And so that, that's really a terrible way to live, but that's the way we grew up, amen. It's just, it, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You see somebody I haven't seen in, in, in 10 years, like, I can't remember, I'm mad at you or not. 
Yeah, if you, I am mad at you, yeah, you're off the list, right? Yeah, I forgot, I forgot you're off the list, so I can't talk. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to remembering because uh, first of all, we're not designed to remember the sins of the past, amen? Uh, we're designed to, to know the love of God for the future, but, uh, but we still strive to, to remember if we're, if we're trained that way. Uh, and so unlearning those things is some effort, amen? Unlearning how to be that way does take some effort, but the, the thing you have to appreciate, it's worth the effort, it's worth the cost, it's worth however much you have to say that you're wrong and, and admit to the Lord that you're wrong. And you know, some people just have a hard time admitting to the Lord they're wrong. But you know, you know it's not like the Lord doesn't know. It's not like you go, well, Lord, you know, I was wrong. And he'd be like, what? He's never, he's never surprised when you tell him you're wrong. He's never surprised when you say, uh, Lord, I, you know, I've been doing this wrong and I know you didn't know about that, but he's never like, really? I didn't know that. Uh, he always knows it anyway, amen? Uh, and so, is it worth the effort? I think it's worth the effort. I think it's worth it uh, uh, because there's, there's value. You have to decide there's value in doing these things. In fact, that's what uh, Paul talks about here as he goes on into verse 14. We talked last week about a press toward the mark. The word mark there just means goal, right? There's a goal. What is your goal in life? Is your goal to have the most toys when you die? Uh, he had the biggest house, than, and, and bigger house than anybody else, or the most cars, the most money, or, uh, you know, what, what's your goal? He, I mean, if your goal is even thinking, well, I want to help humanity, okay, that's fine. That's not the goal the Lord Jesus gave to us, amen? Our goal is to be like Jesus. Uh, and if we, and, uh, in fact, uh, remember what Jesus said. He said, I came to do what? I came to do thy will. That's it. That was his only goal. I came to do thy will. Uh, he didn't say, I came to set up a kingdom. He didn't say, I came to go to the cross. He didn't say, I came to shed blood. He didn't say, I came to redeem mankind. He said, I came to do thy will. And oftentimes, we'll get focused on a thing, a goal that's, you know, I want the biggest church. I want to have the biggest missions group. I want to have the biggest uh, Sunday school classes, whatever it is. And, and they don't have to even be sin. But oftentimes, we get our eyes fixated, fixated on things in this world if we get the ultimate goal, it's just my goal is to always do the will of God in every circumstance. Whatever he says in his word, whatever he says by his spirit, that's the only reason I'm here. That's my goal. I press toward the goal or the mark. or the, I press toward the, the mark or the goal for the prize. So there's a prize, amen? We'll talk some more about the prize here in just a minute of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So uh, he does elevate the call of God, the high calling of God. Uh, and, and so, who, who, who has a calling in the body of Christ? Who has a calling? It's kind of a loaded question, right? Those that are well, those that are called. Well, that's kind of answering the question with a question, right? Uh, but, um, uh, well, uh, all of us are, right? What's, what's the entire body of Christ called to? What's, what ministry has the entire body of Christ been given uh, we've been given the ministry, the Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, right? The entire body of Christ has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, uh, what, what your part is in that ministry depends on, on your own life, amen? My part is to be a pastor, amen, pastor, teacher, uh, but your part in that calling, so you have a calling to, to be a minister of reconciliation. Well, what's that mean? Well, the word recon, reconciliation means to bring into favor. Uh, and so in an accounting standpoint, they reconcile the checkbook, right? They, you reconcile your checkbook. And what all that means is 
you look at what the bank says you have, and you look at what you think you have, and you bring them into favor. You bring them together so that they're unified, amen? And if one's different than the other one, more than likely the bank is stealing money from you, right? Well, no, more than likely you just forgot to write a check down, amen? I know, I've heard people say, well, my bank takes, you know, steals like a dollar or two from me every month. You know, I, just, I just find that hard to believe that, uh, that they're just taking, you know, like, oh yeah, I mean, and they say it like it's an absolute fact. You know, it's guaranteed, oh yeah, absolutely, you know, stealing. Like, there's no way. If you go in back and check, now look, I have, on occasion, it's been a long time, but on occasion, you try to, you can't reconcile, you're missing a dollar somewhere, and, and a lot of times I'll just go, just add a dollar to my checkbook, says, unknown, it's not worth spending an hour finding out where the dollar is, you know, uh, but I assume it's something I did wrong somewhere, right? Missed a, missed a dollar sign or period or something, you know, uh, uh, sometimes not. But I don't assume the bank's wrong. Now, has bank ever, that bank has been wrong. Uh, you know, I, there was a time when we made a deposit and they, they didn't record it. And we went to the bank and said, hey, we deposit this money. Uh, and uh, well, let, let me go check. And they have a bin where they throw everything away before they shred it. And sure enough, there was our deposit in the bin. Uh, and so, uh, so they do, they can make a mistake, but uh, them just stealing a dollar, I mean, and maybe, maybe you, I don't know, you know, that's really not important whether or not, the, but, but we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we, our ministry is to tell the good news to the world that between them and God, that he said he's reconciled us. Uh, in fact, uh, if you go to, to Romans chapter 5, uh, it says, we'll read there, uh, here in Romans chapter 5, it says in verse 10, it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. So uh, we were reconciled or brought into favor, into, into fullness of favor with God. Now, when did that occur? What was our status when that occurred? What's it say? It says, when we were what? enemies. So are there still any enemies to God? Well, there are in the sense that they're not, those that are not born again are still considered enemies of God because they're children of the devil. Uh, but what's their status as far as God is concerned? Their status is they are reconciled to God. Now, are they going to go to heaven? No, they have to receive that work that was done for them on their behalf. But from God's side, what is he going to do different for them once they decide to accept him? Nothing. Is he going to go shed any blood for them? Hang on. You want to accept me? Let me go kill a golden calf or kill a, kill a goat or kill a couple turtle doves. Or, uh, before you can do that, let me go do something. Is, does he need you to do anything when, when somebody just chooses to accept him? No, because on his side, he's already reconciled. He's restored them to favor, and, and so he's just waiting on them. He's done his part. He's balanced the checkbook. Everything's balanced. Everything's good. Now he's waiting for you to accept that, that's, that that is actually correct and that you're willing to accept uh, that statement. Uh, and so uh, that, that's the status. Of, so that's good news. You can go to anybody in the world and say, you know, there's no, God has no issues with you right now. Now, when they die and they breathe the last breath on the earth, if they have not accepted Jesus, then there will be an issue. Amen. But between now and their last breath on the earth, there's no issue between on God's side and man's side. He said he has, rec while we were enemies, he reconciled us, right? He restored us fully to favor even before we accepted him. Of course, he did that, he, says, he tells us how he did it, by the death of his son. Uh, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So, uh, so we have that ministry. Our job is to tell the world 
There's no conflict on God's side as far as you're concerned. He's waiting on you. He's done all the work. If you decide today to accept him, there's nothing else for him to do. He's just waiting on you to accept him. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to be good. You don't have to change your name. You don't have to you know, uh, stop doing this or start doing that. All you have to do is accept him. And of course, a lot of people, uh, they get into this uh, philosophy of, well, God accepts me just the way that I am. But what they mean by that is, and I get to stay that way forever. Well, that is not true. The moment you get born again, he's going to start giving you a list. Here's things to change to start looking like me. Here's things to change to start talking like me. Here's things to change to start acting like me. Now, and he's going to tell you because do any of us look like the Lord Jesus yet? No, but, uh, but it's, really, it's, really, um, it's really sad when, when churches kind of tell everybody, just God accepts you just the way you are and you can stay that way. That, that is terrible. I would, I would be so sad if I was exactly the way I was the day I got born again. You know, I mean, if, if I was today the way that I was 45 years ago, not 45 years ago, but 30, uh, well, let's see, 50, 43 years ago, uh, that was almost 45 years ago, wasn't it? Uh, 43 years ago when I got saved, if, if I thought the way that I thought back then and acted the way that I acted back then and, and, and uh, just did everything the way that I did back then, I would be really sad. I, I, I would have made no progress. Uh, and, and even after all of these years, I still see, well, Lord, there's, there's so, there's so uh, much room for me to grow. There's so many places I can improve in my life. There's so many areas that I could do better than I'm doing today. And, uh, and you know, we're going to get there. We're going to continue to improve. Uh, but I, to, to think that God wants to accept me the way that I am and leave me that way, that'd be really sad. And so don't ever, don't ever sell anybody that deal. Don't ever sell it. Well, God, he accepts you the way you are, and you can stay just the way you are. If you're a sinner, you can still keep on sinning. It's fine. God is fine with it. He's not fine with it. Amen. He's not fine with you if you're stealing before you got saved to continue stealing after you got saved. If you're cussing before you got saved to continue cussing after you got saved. If you know, drinking like a sailor before you got saved, drinking like a sailor. If you know, you're sleeping around before, sleeping around after. It's, it's all good. And, of course, much of the church is selling people that line. Amen? Just act. Just, it's okay. If it feels good, just do it. It's fine. Uh, and, and it's terrible because uh, it's, it's putting people in a position that uh, sin and death always go together. Amen? Uh, and it may not be physical death, but death, uh, in, one of, in, in one of the definitions of death in the New Testament, means a life without power. And, yeah, as a Christian, if you sin and you continue in a sin, and you continue in sin, you will have no power in your life. You'll, you'll, uh, more than likely, you'll make it to heaven. I'm not your judge. You know, uh, most Christians, they're not going to mature enough to the point where they can reject Jesus and lose their salvation. They can. It is possible for sure, but it's, it's not, it's not uh, often that people are, have gotten to that point in their life where they're qualified to do that. But you can be a Christian and just live a life without power, never knowing the blessings of the power of God in your life. Uh, and doing everything only in your own strength, in your own power. And that includes, you know, how you make a living. That includes how healthy you are. That includes how, how uh, clear your mind is. Uh, includes all the blessings of heaven that are available to us. Uh, and so when we tell people, just come as you are and stay the same way, see, that's not reconciliation. That's not reconciling to, to line up with God. Amen. That, that's getting in and then staying the same way. Well, I know there's an error there somewhere. It's just okay. Just leave it there. You know, that's still what I do in my checkbook on a rare occasion when I just can't find the error. I just, 
I'll just put in there, you know, unknown uh, debit, $1. Sometimes unknown deposit, $1. I don't know where it came from or where it went to, but whatever. Uh, sometimes it's not worth trying to find it. But I have spent hours trying to figure those out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this. We're, you know, it may take me, I may have to go back 18 months in, in, in uh, history to go find this thing, but I'm going to find it. And you spend way too much time doing that. So, so we were reconciled. That's our ministry. We have all been called to the ministry. You can go back to Philippians chapter 3 now. All of us, the whole church, every Christian is called to the ministry of reconciliation to tell the world that they've been reconciled. Uh, and so that's our high calling. That's a pretty high calling that you get to tell people the good news of the Lord Jesus. And that's why, that's why I struggle with uh, oftentimes street preachers are on the corner uh, telling all these sinners you're going to die and go to hell. That's not really good news. You know, I mean, it's, it's how is that persuading people? You know, I mean, if you, if you have to bring them into the kingdom by fear, by, by coercion, that's not how Jesus intended. He's to tell, preach the gospel into every creature. Amen. The good news. What has Jesus done for you? You can live a life free from the shackles of sin free from the bondages of, of terrible thoughts and free from the, the, the bondages of sickness and disease. That's good news, amen? amen. Uh, and that's what he told us. He'd go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. He didn't go and, and say go into all the world and beat people into, uh, beat the hell out of people, so to speak, right? Because what they're doing, right? Beat people into the, into the salvation of God. Uh, well, that, that's, he didn't tell us to do that, amen? And yet people do that. And, and oftentimes from the pulpit, uh, pastors or ministers, are just beating people to near death, amen? Beat them into submission, beat them into following God's plan, but all, you, all, you, all you're building is resentful Christians. You know, you, uh, they, may, they may obey, but they're resentful to God. They're resentful, well, you know, I don't have to do this. You know, I should have to do this. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people, when they, when they grow up, because where they went to church, when they become adults, they just quit going to church. And they don't realize that the, the biggest issue is because they were never taught the good news that, hey, this life is worth living this way. Be it fully at peace, fully prosperous, fully, fully in health, uh, fully uh, uh, full of joy. That's a good way to live, amen? Much of the world doesn't know how to live that way. And that's good news. And if you teach people how to live that way, you know, hopefully when they become adults, they'll make the right choice. Now, a lot of kids, they just get full of rebellion and, you know, they, just, they become adults and they'll just walk away from the Lord. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's not the fault of the church, it's just their choices, right? That's what they want to do. Uh, and, uh, but if they were intelligent people, or, you know, and not that they're dumb for doing that, but you know, they're, so, they're so led by their flesh, they're so used to being led by their flesh, they don't know how to live by their spirit. And so uh, hopefully we can do a better job in the church in, in, in telling people, because he says, uh, uh, have the prize for the high calling. I wanted to go over and read uh, turn, turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, because he said um, uh, we, should, we should desire and strive for this high calling of the Lord, for the prize of the high calling of, of God uh, but he says here in Ephesians chapter 1, let's read in verse 18 this, this is part of a prayer that Paul had prayed for the Ephesians and it's a great prayer to pray for yourself that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, because he prayed this for Christians, amen? So this is a good prayer to pray for Christians, for yourself. And it's a good, uh, uh, especially backslidden Christians, this is a good pray to, prayer to pray, because if, they're, if, they're, if the eyes of their understanding is enlightened, they will know uh, that what they're doing is only bringing them harm. 
And so oftentimes when I'm praying for a Krishna who's not doing right, this is what I'll pray for them. Lord, let them see. Because I can't say, Lord, change their heart. That would be unbiblical. I can't, the Lord can't go and change somebody's heart. That would, that, would, that would mean he would have to override their will. He can't do that. But what he can do is break through the, the layers of darkness that they've allowed into their life and, and shine forth the light of understanding uh, so they can see that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, and it, and it, it may just be, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, especially parents dealing with kids, you see your kids doing things wrong. Well, you, you can pray, even if, even what they're doing maybe not sin so much as it just doesn't seem like it's the perfect will of God, which I, mean, I know it's still sin, but, you know, sometimes they're not out murdering or stealing or anything. They may just be, you know, kind of just carnal people, amen? Uh, Lord, let them see the value of, uh, of following you. Well, that's their eyes of their understanding being enlightened, amen? And so it's a good prayer to pray for them. Uh, but he says that they may know what is the hope of his calling. And this is, this is a statement here that I think is, is really valuable because part of the issue in the church is many people in the church don't see the, the hope. They don't see any value of serving the Lord. Uh, and, and why is that? Because they've lost the hope of their calling. Uh, they, they see no hope, no value in, in all this work of going to church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday. And sometimes if they're super duper spiritual, like even twice on Sunday, I mean, wow, that'd be like, you know, like, like crazy talk, right? Uh, and so... Uh, they see no hope in doing that. They see no value in doing that. And, uh, and if we're not teaching them well, uh, uh, and, it, and it's not always on the, on the church's side. Sometimes it's on the person's side, of course, right? Uh, but a lot of Christians, they lose hope in their call. They lose hope in, in, in just doing the work of the Lord, doing the work of, of changing, doing the work of what the Word says to do. Uh, and, and they just lose hope in those things. And a lot of ministers lose hope. They lose hope because they're expecting a certain thing, they're expecting a certain income, they're expecting a certain number of people. And, you know, in those things, I, I think they should adjust their expectations that they should expect to do the will of God. And if they do the will of God, you know, a lot, a lot of people still say, and, and you know, uh, we, we have experience with this church, people have said, well, number one, God can't, he can't, um, uh, he can't bless a storefront church. Uh, and, you know, and of course, my thoughts are, well, you got book, chapter, and verse for that? Does that sound like a Bible verse? It does, like Second Hesitations 3, right? Uh, 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 and um, is that even a thing? Why is that a thing? Why, does, is God like, oh, it's a storefront church? I mean, so how do you not make it a storefront? If you put a different facade in the building, is it no longer a storefront? I mean, what does that even mean, right? Uh, but can you imagine a minister saying that? Well, people say that. But, well, if you're not careful, that would breed, you know, you would lose hope. Well, we're in a storefront, but I really like our storefront church. I mean, I think it's beautiful. I think it's an amazing church, you know, and, and, uh, and if I had this or a standard issue 1980s, uh, you know, paneled uh, church, which, I mean, I don't care what kind of church you have, but I mean, uh, you know, I've been in a lot of churches, actual church buildings, and I'm thinking, I, I would want to preach here. I mean, it just I don't like the decor. I don't like the style. Just, and I don't, it, it's fine, right? I would never say, that, well, God can never bless that church because somebody has a different taste than I have. Uh, and, and even if it's bad taste, you know, that, and if they think it's good taste, then praise God. I'm, I'm all for them, right? I got no problem with it at all, but uh, I'm pretty happy where I'm at, amen? But they'll say things like that, and they'll say things like, well, if your church isn't growing, it's already dead. Uh, and I'm thinking, still, uh, is there any Bible that says that? Because, first of all, what if God's called you? Remember when Paul went to the Ephesians? 
and they got, they got uh, spirit-filled, started speaking in tongues, and they prophesied. And you remember what the Bible says, how many there were at that time? It says there were 12. And the book of Ephesians came out of those 12 people. And, it's, and, and the book of Ephesians is one of the greatest doctrinal books of all the New Testament books. And yet it started from 12 people. Now, I don't know how it grew to, but, but still. Um, but there's just statements like that. And, and the statements, to me, all they do is breed uh, people to lose their hope. Because if, if I'm sitting here and I'm hearing those things, and I'm thinking, well, we're in a storefront, we'll probably never get out of the storefront. And, because, I mean, where would we go? Amen. There's not any empty church buildings available in town that looks like a church. Uh, and what, this, what, what should a church look like? I mean, most new churches are just, they're just steel buildings, right? They're just, uh, and they maybe have a facade on them. We're not giant brick buildings with, with giant steeples. And I mean, what should a church look like? Amen. Uh, based on the first century church, uh, were they storefront churches? No. Were they also traditional looking churches? No. They didn't, I have no idea what they look like because we don't have any information what they look like. But how many pastors lose hope? Uh, how many ministers lose hope? How many Christians lose hope about doing the will of God? Uh, and he says, you've got to press toward the mark of the high calling, but sometimes we think it's just, well, I'm not getting anywhere. But, but again, you have, to, you have to decide, what is your measure of success? You know, for me, my measure of success is, am I doing the will of God? Yeah, and, and, and the will of God is for me to, to be here and preach. Well, uh, and then people say, well, you know, why don't you have 100 people in your church? I, you know, that's, see, that, that would get me in, in the mentality of, of I've got to change my goal from the, because the goal, the prize, right, the mark is the high calling. The, the goal and the mark is not how many seats are filled. The goal is do what I'm supposed to do. And, and really, you remember in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord added to the church daily. Amen. So that's really on him. Uh, and so, you know, you can ask questions, and I do ask the Lord's question. Lord, anything you want me to change? Anything you want me to do differently? Anything you want me to, to add to the, to the church or the ministry? You know, and over the years, we've done things and adjusted things, you know. And, and, um, but sometimes, you know, there's been some things where even though it's the will of God, there's nobody available at that moment to do that thing. So there's some things that just aren't going to get done, even though the Lord, Lord, the Lord may want them to get done. That's not a, a terrible thing. It's just life, amen? It just, uh, it's just sometimes just the way it is. So you have to be careful. Uh, if our goal is a high calling, see, that's great. But see, if our goal is anything we measure in the natural realm, then we will lose hope, right? And we will get to where Ephesians says that they, they know what is the hope of his calling. They will lose that hope. And then what happens oftentimes is people... Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes they just go radical and just leave everything, right? They leave church, they, they quit ministering, they quit doing these things, and they basically backslide. Uh, uh, and that's, that's sad and terrible and does happen uh, quite often. But, uh, uh, but other times, uh, instead of backsliding, what they'll do is they'll change their mark. I'm going to have a goal of a full church. I'm going to have a goal as the biggest church in town. I'm going to have a goal of of making so much money, you know, have a certain income level. Uh, and, and so they've taken their eyes off the mark of the high calling and they put their eyes on natural things that can be measured. Uh, and, you know, if, if you did it, I mean, if we, if we change something and we, said, we start advertising, you know, 
We're in Tennessee, so free AK-47, you know, to anybody who brings five visitors to church, right? I mean, we'd fill it up tomorrow, right? Uh, deer season, free uh, uh, .30-06 uh, hunting rifle, you know, with a 200-millimeter scope. Uh, I mean, we just fill it up tomorrow, right? You want to fill it up? But however you get them is how you, get, you know, how you get them is how you have to keep them, amen? So, I mean, we'd have to come up bigger and bigger things, amen? You know, in a couple of years, it'd be like, you know, uh, air-to-air missile, right? And, and um, you know, a jet fighter or something. And so we're not going to do that, of course, but, uh, uh, but there, there is a lot of lost hope in, in the church where people just lose the hope of, of uh, following after the Lord. And, and, I, and I believe that the, the root cause is they've changed their mark. They've changed their goal. They've changed the things that they're trying to obtain and to, to arrive at in their life. Uh, instead of pursuing the will of God, uh, uh, which to me, if you pursue the will of God, everything's easy. Just do what God says to do. Amen. Uh, you know, when I was with my pastor, I, I can't tell you how many people have come to me in, over the years, and I can't believe you stayed there. Even when we were there, I can't believe you're still there. Uh, people that had left the church and, uh, and with my pastor, and, and I'm not saying that people that had left before me were out of the will of God, because I'm not their, I'm not their judge, and, uh, and I know, I know Generally speaking, our attitude at the church was, if you leave this church, you're out of the will of God, which is terrible because I don't know what your will of God is for your life. Uh, and, uh, and, and look, if you leave the church, you should leave a church well. Uh, in fact, uh, when, when I first uh, called uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne about getting connected with this ministry, this, we, we'd been pastoring, I don't know, about uh, six or eight months, and, and we desired to be part of a bigger organization, you know, starting an independent church. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting an independent church, but we're not a denomination. We're not licensed through a denomination. Uh, and so I thought it'd be helpful to uh, join his ministerial organization so that uh, we would have a covering in the sense that, um, you know, we, we answer to somebody. Amen. I think it's wise to answer to somebody. Uh, and so, and we, so we chose to do that. And, and he, knew, he, knew, uh, he knew me a little bit, but he knew, he knew my pastor's church. We weren't there, of course, anymore. We'd already moved on and, and we had started our own church. But he, since he knew that history, he, uh, the question he asked me, he said, did you leave that church correctly? Did you leave that church right, is what he said. In other words, did I leave the church uh, and, and steal a bunch of sheep, or did I leave the church and gossip about the church, or did I leave the church and call a bunch of sheep and tell them, you've got to leave that church now, it's a terrible church, and did I do that, right? Did I kick the dog on the way out the door? Well, that's a valid question. Uh, how many people that have started a church could answer that the correct way. You know, who leave the church. Oh, yeah, no. No, I didn't leave it. I mean, I did. I told them they were wrong. I, you know, and I took 20 of their members with me, and I started my own church, you know, because we were right. <laughs> that probably wouldn't have gone over very well with Dr. Frank, right? And I said, well, and I, I kind of chuckled because it's a valid question, you know. And, um, uh, and I said, well, Dr. Frank, I said, as far as I'm concerned, I left right. We called the pastor's wife said we're going to be leaving, uh, that we won't be returning to the church. Uh, and she said, are you mad at anybody? Nope. Are you, you know, are you, are you mad about the decision being made? Nope. Did somebody say something to offend you? Nope. She never did ask me why I left, because she gave me a lot of questions, you know. And the answer was no, I, we weren't leaving because we were mad. And really the reason why we left is the Spirit of God said, it's time for you to go. Well, that should be a good reason to leave the church, amen. Uh, and so he asked me, uh, did you leave the church? Did you leave the church correctly? Amen. Uh, and, and, and so, but what happens when people lose their hope, they start changing natural things. 
in the hopes that, that something feels better uh, because they, they've, they've taken their eyes off the goal of, of the high calling and, and they put their eyes on things they can measure in the natural realm. Uh, and look, it's not, uh, we're, we're a small church today. We're not always going to be a small church, but today we're a small church. I got no problem with a big church, amen? Some ministers uh, pastoring a small church, and they'll say, they, well, you know, God can never move in a big church. Is that right? Jerusalem had 80,000 people in its church. I think he did okay there, amen? Uh, Antioch was, was uh, a, a, probably tens of thousands of people at the church of Antioch, and it was, it was really the, the center, I mean, even more so than Jerusalem in some ways, the center of Christianity in, in the first century. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a big church. Uh, but then the person who said God can never bless a storefront church was a pastor of a big church. So why would you say that about a, why would you say that about a small church, you know? I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't know why people say things that, that are just, you know, don't say something that you have no biblical basis to, to back up that statement. God can never bless a storefront church. Well, you got book, chapter, and verse for that? I mean, I think we're pretty blessed. You know, I think... We, people get healed in this church. This church is, is financially prosperous. Uh, we have great guest ministers. Everybody enjoy uh, Brother Larry on Sunday. We have great guest ministers willing to come to this church. You know, he, he told me, he said, uh, when, we, when we first got connected after all these years, he said, I'm not looking for new churches. Uh, he said, I, I, I preach somewhere every weekend, every weekend that he wants to. And so he's booked up. Uh, and and um, uh, he could go anywhere. But the Lord told him to come here. Well, that means we're blessed, amen? Brother Randy, you know, he can go anywhere. He goes to Canada. He goes all over the country. He goes to really big churches, thousands of people in those churches, uh, but he still comes here. I think well, that means we're blessed, amen? Uh, and, and we get some top-notch uh, words, you know? I just think about the revelation just the Lord gives us, gives me a lot. Of, and I think, well, that's, well, that's really good. I mean, it's not, I'm not bragging on me because... Uh, I, I can't tell how often I stand in amazement when the Lord tells me things that are just really good information. I'm like, well, I, that's really good, Lord, you know. I'm just as impressed as you are oftentimes. And, and so it's not anything on me. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to uh, blow myself up here. I'm just, just saying that we're blessed, amen. And the Lord provides well for us here. Uh, and so everything else will be fine. So for me, I, I, I have to uh, uh, make sure that I'm always looking at the mark of the high calling. Am I in the will of God? Am I, if, 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 as far as I know, I'm the perfect will of God in this ministry right now. Uh, and could we change things? Make th we, we can always change and make things better, but uh, that, 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 see, that's not the will of God. That's just implementation, amen? Uh, am, am I studying like I should be studying? Am I praying like I should be praying? Am I, am I uh, speaking like I should be speaking? Am I teaching things I should be teaching? Uh, if I'm doing that and I sense that I'm in the will of God, then I'm good, Amen? Uh, and, you know, I, I consider us like a hidden gem, amen? We may not be hidden forever, amen? We may have to bust out all the walls and head that way and, and do all that, and, and we'd be fine with that, wouldn't we, amen? But I'm fine, uh, I, I, and I've got no problem with that. You know, some pastors couldn't handle growth, you know, the, the, they, and some church members, they don't want their church to grow. I just, now I've had, I can't tell you how many people have said uh, a couple of things. Uh, one is, I could never imagine going to a small church. Well, first of all, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What's that got to do the will of God? Well, if the Lord said, I want you to go to that small church. Well, Lord, I don't go to small churches, Lord. He's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, let's find something else for you to do. And then some people say, you know, 
I've heard the exact same thing just often. I don't want a big church because, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel as personable. I said, what? You know, that, it can be as personable as you want it to be. Amen. When I was with my pastor, he didn't have a giant church, but, you know, he had 150 people. I'd like to have 150 people here. He had 150 people, but I decided when I went there, he's going to be my friend. He's my pastor. I'm going to get to know him. And I did. I made an effort. And, and if you knew him, you would know that he and I were very different from a personality standpoint. I mean, it's, it's like night and day, you know, oil and water. I mean, it's just night, completely different mentality. You know, I'm, I'm Mr. Academic. He's Mr. Cheat Everything, right? Cheated everything. And uh, that's just the way he was, the way he grew up. Amen. And so we are just polar opposites. And yet I still found a way to be a friend to him. Uh, and for years, we were very good friends. And, you know, it, it, uh, we had some years that we weren't such good friends, but that was on his part, not on my part. Uh, uh, and so uh, uh, it, it's as personal as you want it to be. Now, some people, they, they want to come to church. They want to sit on, you know, I was going to say in the back row, but, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to call anybody out. We'll say in this section over here because nobody's over here, right? Uh, they just want to sit in that section right there and just be left alone. They want to come, get the check mark, and go home. And, and you know, and I got no problem with that. There's some, some people are just going to be that way, uh, and that's fine. Uh, there's, I got no problem with that. They're listening to the word, they're hearing the word, and, and they're still growing in faith. They don't have to be my best friend. Um, and you're going to have some people that want to have a relationship with the pastor. Uh, and so none of it really it matters to me as long as you don't lose the hope. Amen? So what's the hope of his calling? What's the mark? What's the goal of the high calling? The goal is to be in the will of God. Period. Amen? That's the goal. So our goal when we look at the high calling, Lord, what's my calling? Well, number one, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? That's always the first thing. And the second thing is, Lord, I came to do your will. That's the high calling. Whatever the calling, whatever you call me to do, Lord, that's what I'm here to do. And to me, that makes everything really easy. Amen? If we have to start saying, if we have to put conditions on the call, well, Lord, I, I, you know, I want this, I want to be that, I want to, you know, I want to be seen here. And just like... Um, you know, some of these singing shows we've watched on TV, they say, you know, well, tell us your background. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a worship leader at my church. That's great. Why do you want to win this contest? Well, I, I, just, I just really want to be famous. And several of them said things like that. I'm thinking, that's your goal? You're, you're, you're in a church and you're bringing the presence of Almighty God into a church building, but that's not good enough. You want people to know your name. You know, that's, that's to me, that's, that's changing the mark, right? That's changing the goal from the high calling. Uh, to, now, look, I don't care, you know, that uh, some, some uh, praise and worship leaders become famous because they're incredibly anointed and, and they, they're, their call is really bigger than their local church, but they still stay in the local church, amen? Uh, I mean, I think it'd be great for a, a local church uh, praise and worship leader to also produce music and to be well-known, but still go back every Sunday and, and, uh, and play Amazing Grace, Right. Wouldn't that be awesome if they could do that? Uh, but a lot of times, they, it's just hard for them to do that. It's hard for them to feel, they feel constrained. And, but if they were really servants of the Most High God, wouldn't they want to bless their local church and to, to be a blessing to that local church? Uh, and so, anyway, it's uh, uh, back to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3 there. Uh, that, that's, that's our job, right, it, is to press toward the goal. Amen? And, and again, so that means... The, the pressing is going to be necessary because there's a lot of a lot of activity that's trying to get you to change your course and direction. 
to get, to get mad at the pastor, amen, to get mad at your church, to get mad at God, to get mad at the Word, to get mad at the Spirit of God, um, and to change course and direction uh, off the goal of the, of the mark of or the, high, uh, to the prize of the high calling. And so he said that there's a prize. So is there, is there value in serving the Lord? Well, there is, amen, and that, that's the thing. That's where people lose their hope is they don't see the value in serving the Lord. But he said there's a prize. So if there's a prize, that, that means that, that there's a, uh, in fact, what is it, uh, we know uh, Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So is there a reward or a prize for seeking the Lord? Well, there is. Do we believe that? Well, I believe that, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the, the more I serve the Lord, the healthier I am, the more prosperous I am, the more clear-minded I am, the happier I am. Everything is better, right? I mean, just, uh, just everything is, is just better just by me uh, seeking Him. But, uh, but uh, they throw in that word that really ruins everything, diligently seeking Him, right? And so diligence, just like pressing, there's some effort in that, amen? That means, that you, that means a consistent, uh, now, what's consistent mean? I don't know, right? Does it mean you got to get up every day at 5.30 and, and pray? I don't know. I don't even have a 5.30 in my clock, so I wouldn't know. But some, but some people like 5.30 prayers, you know. I'm not sure even the Lord's up at that time. I don't know, but uh, uh, he never sleeps or slumbers, I know. But, um, but what's diligent? Diligence is whatever diligence is for you, amen? Uh, and so uh, you, you find that path. For me to get up and tell you what your diligence looks like is just putting you in, in the law, amen? Some people, I'm a night owl. Uh, you know, I'll stay up. Some, I mean, and sometimes, even just recently, I'm up three and four o'clock in the morning studying and, and, and doing things in the Word uh, and just doing it, amen? Well, you know, uh, the, the sun goes down and Chris starts yawning. Uh, she's not a night owl, she, you know, she, but she gets up at 5.30 and she's praying at 5.30 and, uh, and, and she's like, uh, did, I, did I bother you when I wake up? I never know when she gets up. I mean, her alarm goes off. I never hear her alarm, never hear her, her alarm. You know, that, that's, you know, when I go to sleep, I go to sleep. And, and, when I, and I wake up when I wake up. That's my schedule. Uh, and, and I know everybody doesn't, can't have that schedule. That's fine, right? That's my schedule. I can sleep uh, and get up when I want to. And so usually my, my, I wake up when I wake up and I read and, and, and study for a while. And then, and then I'll get up. I'll, I'll roll out of bed whenever I roll out of bed. Uh, that works for me. Uh, but at night, I'll, I'll stay up till whenever. If I'm studying or reading or uh, whatever, uh, I'll just continue doing that till and sometimes I'll fight it, you know, I'll go drink a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock at night, and I think I can make it another hour, but usually, I mean, I could drink coffee late at night and, and just go right back to, right to bed, because coffee doesn't bother me, it doesn't keep me up at night, but, uh, but that's Chris's deal, uh, and she likes that, and, and I got no problem with that, and, and, and there's sometimes we get together, and we pray together, um, but we don't pray at 11 o'clock at night, and we don't pray at 5.30 in the morning. When we're praying together, we'll usually pray when we're both awake, amen? And so that's not at late at night and early in the morning. And so, uh, and I always tell people, uh, uh, if you won't call me in the morning when you get up, I won't call you at night when I go to bed, amen? Because uh, some people, they're early risers, amen? I think like Dora, she gets up, you know, uh, a lot of times she beats the, the chickens and the cows and everything when she gets up in the morning. Uh, and, and so... Uh, but, and that's fine, right? So I can't tell you what diligence looks like for you. Uh, because, is there anything in the, in the Word? Because David said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll praise you in the morning and noonday and, and at night and evening, right? 
Uh, and so, well, when should you praise him? Well, basically all the time, amen. So, uh, but I have had ministers say, stand up and say, the Lord told me to get up at 5.30 in the morning and you got to get up at 5.30 in the morning. But there's no book, chapter, and verse for that. And we're really bad in the church of, of consistently and constantly pulling things that I'm doing and making it Bible for you. Uh, it pulling, putting, and see, if it's the will of God for me to get up at 5.30, that's great. That doesn't mean it's the will of God for you to get up at 5.30. Amen? The will of God for you is the will of God for you. Uh, and if that's also lined up with the Word of God specifically, then that's fine. Everybody should do that, right? Uh, should we all walk in love? We should because the Word of God says for all of us to walk in love. So that's me, all that goes to all of us. But, but a lot of things are just, just natural, right? Uh, should you wear a suit to church? I mean, I wear a suit to church. Have I ever told anybody here to wear a suit to church? No. Uh, uh, and so is it the will of God for you to wear a suit to church? That's between you and the Lord. I don't care. Uh, and so we do, we do have some constraints that we should be dressed modestly. Amen. What's that mean? We all know what it means when it's not modest. Amen. Uh, so that's, that's really enough said. Amen. And you look at it, well, that's not modest, you know, and then you can't look at it anymore. And so, but you know, when we, we would go out to California, we'd go to several different churches in California visiting out there. Their definition of modest is not Tennessee's definition of modest. You got there and their, their definition of modest is, I can't take that in Tennessee. You know, I mean, there's just no way, right? I mean, it just... You couldn't do that, but, and they don't think anything about it. Well, is that wrong? It's, it's not in my business, amen. It's just, I leave it alone. Um, and so, uh, but I have, uh, the, we went to one church and they had a, uh, they started praise and worship and this one lady, she played the tambourine and you think she was playing in tambourine at some kind of uh, a gentleman's club. I mean, just, the, it, it was just, you know, you couldn't, we were standing on the front row and you could, you'd have to count ceiling tiles and not look at the stage because I mean, it was just, it was that bad. I mean, it was, you know, so some things are just, just are wrong, amen? And so it's like, well, you just, you know it when you see it, amen? That, that sh well, the, the pastor took her off the stage after the first, it was like a conference, right? After the first night, it's like, okay, you can't be on the stage, right? Uh, and so, you know, I don't know where she learned to dance like that, but, you know, none of my business, but uh, uh, so, uh, you know, some things you just, you, uh, there's not a law, but, but, Okay, that, that's past where we should be, amen? And just like with the, with the dress code in California, could we implement that dress code here? Well, of course, I have no, no desire for, for doing that, but um, it, it's, it's just, uh, you just gotta leave some things alone, amen? So what is diligence? Well, if it's covered in the Word of God, then you do that. If it's not covered in the Word of God, then you find what the Spirit of God wants you to do. You find His will for your life, amen? And that's what you follow. And then you leave everything else alone. Uh, my job is not to make you me. My job is not to make all of you night owls. Oh, you got to stay. If you can't stay up at three, four o'clock in the morning, then you're just wrong. Amen. Uh, one time we were uh, when when we were getting our house ready, I was staying at Dora's house, and I stayed up all night. And and uh, she got up, and I went to bed. And she said, "Morning, Ralph." And, and I went to bed. You know, and she she got up, and and uh, <laughs> well, that's fine, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So, amen. So. Uh, so we gotta, we got to press toward the mark for the prize. So there's value in serving the Lord. Amen. And I'm just going to read one more verse. We're, we'll look at, uh, I don't know if we'll go look at all of them, because there's, there's really, uh, if you go through with the Bible, the New Testament primarily talks about the benefits of serving the Lord. Um, we see here in Mark chapter 10, where there is natural benefits for serving the Lord. And, and I think this is a pretty good summary here. Uh, it says, let's start in verse 28, Matthew or Mark chapter 10, verse 28. 
It says, Then Peter began to say to Jesus, to him, Lo, we have left all and had followed thee. Because just before that, uh, Jesus had said in verse 25, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they were astonished out of measure, in verse 26, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? So they, they were like, I mean, if a rich man, see, in their minds, the rich men were the closest to God. It wasn't really true, but in their minds, because he must be godly because look how much money he has. And, well, that mentality hasn't left the church, really, in all these years. Amen? People see rich people, and, well, they must be godly because they're rich. But that's, I mean, they could, be godly, they could be rich because they're godly, but they could be rich because they're thieves. Amen? So that's not a good measure of spirituality. But, you know, the, the disciples were concerned about that, pressed uh, astonished out of measure, beyond measure among themselves, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to them, uh, Lord, uh, lo, we have left all and followed them. I mean, so basically, Peter was saying, look, we've done what you, told the, what you told the rich young ruler to do. You know, you told the rich young ruler to sell everything and give to the poor. Peter's like, well, we've already done that. We've left everything in, in serving you. And so his, his question that he didn't ask was, is there anything for us? Uh, because, you know, the Lord, the Lord told, uh, the, the, Lord told um, uh, the rich young ruler there in verse 21, give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and take up thy cross to follow me. So he told the rich young ruler, there's value in serving me. You'll get treasures in heaven. And Peter's like, well, you know, you told, we, we've already done what you told the rich young ruler to do. In fact, uh, I was reading this one time and the Lord, the Lord showed me this about this that we'll, we'll read verse uh, uh, 29 and 30 here, and I'll tell you what the Lord said. He said, uh, Jesus answered Peter and said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake. Well, had these disciples done these very things? They did, right? They left, they left all of these things. Uh, you remember uh, uh, James and John were, were the sons of Zebedee. They left their father. They were in a, a family business. We got to go. Jesus said, we, we got to go. You know, and just left dad kind of holding the, holding the net by himself. And he had to either close business down or, or, or find some other help. That's a pretty big deal, amen? I mean, your family business, you just leave to go follow some, some, some nomad. Uh, well, that's what they did. Uh, he says, no one has done these things that left uh, uh, for my sake and the gospel's sake. Peter left his job, right? All this, uh, Matthew left his job. The other ones, that we don't know what they did, but uh, they left their jobs. Everybody left their job to follow Jesus. And he said, but ye shall receive a hundredfold when? Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands, and uh, of course, with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. So these things here that he said, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. So, you know, you got a lot of family things, but you got uh, houses and lands are two natural uh, things, right? Uh, just you know, only limited to houses and lands because do I want a, a thousand acres? I don't want a thousand acres. I have to mow a thousand acres, right? I mean, I don't want, anybody want a thousand acres? I'd love to have that. That's great. I'm glad you want to, I don't want a thousand acres, right? I mean, you know, uh, like if Stephen got a thousand acres, he can go hunt on a thousand acres. That's great. I'm glad you can go hunt on a thousand acres. I don't want a thousand acres. All right. Amen. But, so you're not just limiting to that specifically, right? Only houses and only lands but there are natural blessings that he'll bring into your life. Whatever those things look like, that's between you and him. Uh, and all these things are in this now in this time, right? So, so he does say there's, there's, there's material 
blessings in this lifetime that are available to us if we'll follow the Lord. Is that what he says, right? If you let anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, now in this time you're going to be blessed. Uh, and he said a hundredfold. Whatever you've given up, a hundredfold in return uh, for, the, for that. Uh, and so, uh, and, and they said, in the, in the world to come eternal life. Uh, and so I was reading this one day, and it just, it just dawned on me, what did the Lord tell the rich young ruler to do? Give it up, give it up right? But why did he tell him to give it up? What did he tell Peter he would get if he gave it up? hundredfold return. So what was he trying to get the rich young ruler to do? He saw this man and said, this man can handle a lot of stuff. And if I can get him to be a giver, I can put a hundredfold of that into his hands. He'll know what to do with it. He'll be, he'll be wise with that and he will be a great ruler. And, and so he wasn't trying to get the rich young ruler to be broke. He was trying to get the rich young ruler to be a hundredfold of what he had already so that he'd be a great blessing to the kingdom of heaven. And that's what he, uh, and he missed it. The whole, rich young ruler missed the whole thing. He's thinking, I've got to give this up. And Jesus is like, no, you're missing it. I'm trying to get a hundredfold to you but, you, but you won't give up what you've got. And so, so what you've got, is just, it'll just be sand through your fingers. Eventually, you, it, won't, it, won't, it won't last because it's not being blessed by me. Uh, and so he was trying to get the rich young ruler to be blessed. He wasn't trying. Because a lot of people say, well, so you've got to be like the rich young ruler. That's great. Then you'll have a hundredfold return. But see, usually they say that you've got to give everything away. But did Jesus say give everything away? He said sell everything you had, but did he say give all that away? No, he just said give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor. He said give to the poor. So Jesus saw in this man that his possessions were, were possessing him. And if your possessions are possessing you, then you should get rid of them. Amen. If it's got you, then you should get rid of it. Amen. If you've got it, then it's fine. Hang on to it uh, until the Lord says to do something else with it. Uh, so the Lord was trying to get this man to be blessed. Amen. So there are rewards in following the Lord. Amen. But, uh, there's, such, there's such controversy in the Bible, in the, not in the Bible, but in the, word of, in the church of God today, not the church of God, but the church of the Lord Jesus on the earth about uh, natural prosperity. But I don't know why that's controversial because these two verses right here, look which, what he told the rich young ruler, and in the same context of what he told Peter that the response would have been from the Lord if the rich young ruler had done what he said, that's, I mean, and we can go through dozens of scriptures, the same thing, right? Does the Lord desire his people to be prosperous? Sure, but, but, uh, but he also said, uh, and in the world to come, eternal life. So what's the, what's the goal of the mark? The goal of the mark is the eternal life, right? That's the goal. That's the, we look in, we're looking towards the, the eternity of heaven. The goal is not the lands and the houses and the families and all those things. The goal is the mark, which is the high calling, Amen. That's, if, we, if we stay fixed on that, because Jesus said, if you give up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, in other words, if you look into me and these things are just in the way, so you get rid of them, if you stay looking at me, I'm, I'm going to give you more stuff uh, back from that because you're still looking to me. So that's, if we'll stay looking toward the Lord, we'll get a hundredfold. Uh, if, so if the Lord tells you to, to give it, you give it. You know, or if the Lord tells you to sell it, right? He may tell you to sell all of it and give half of it away. That's what they did in, in, in the book of Acts, right? They were giving, uh, selling everything they had. And of course, that's a different discussion there. But uh, so uh, we'll look at a little bit more about the prizes and the value. But this is just on the natural side here. We'll look at what the Lord promises us in the future. We don't see a, a lot of specifics, except the Lord says it's going to be good. So if the Lord says it's going to be good, it's probably going to be good. Amen. When we get to heaven, because uh, I'm not going to need dollar bills in heaven. Amen. I'm not going to need uh, gold and silver in heaven. But they're pretty handy here on the earth, amen? 
Uh, and so is that, my, is that my goal? No, my goal is eternity, right? My goal, like Jesus had here for my sake and the gospel's sake, that's my goal, that's my mark, is eternity. Uh, and uh, along the way in this life, I need things, right? I need, I need a way to get from here to there. I need a way to, get from, uh, to do things for the Lord. Uh, and, and does the Lord care? Is the Lord kind of trying to constrain us? Well, if he told you to get a hundredfold return now in this time, then that's no constraint at all. Amen. I mean, that's like, can you imagine having a hundred times more what you have today than you have today? Uh, what would you do with a hundred times your current salary? I mean, you could, you could probably relax a little bit then, right? Uh, what if you, I mean, I don't like, like I've got like three quarters of an acre. So if I had a hundred times that, I'd have 75. I don't want 75 acres, Lord, you know. I'm gonna, you know, if he, now if he said I could do whatever I wanted to, I'd be thank you, and then I'd sell it, right? And, and, and so <laughs> I'd sell it to somebody else who wants 75 acres, right? Uh, and so, but, you know, the Lord's not going to give me 75 acres because I don't want 75 acres. I mean, now if he said, you know, here's an investment, you know, that's fine, right? Something like that. But, uh, uh, but um, the, the point I wanted to make here about Mark chapter 10 is the Lord desires to, to bless us by following because if we follow the mark right for the prize of the high calling so the prize is not really the things in this natural world but that's part of it the prize is what he talks about i believe when we get into eternity right and then and but he talks about prizes in eternity right treasures in heaven and so we'll talk about that a little bit next week uh to find out some of the things that he says amen most of it is just it's going to be good so I believe him, amen. I believe you think it's going to be good? I think it'll be good, amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Father, for, for the hope of your calling. Father, we stay in hope with a confident expectation that we, if we do exactly what you want us to do, there's always blessings and increase. Father, in the spirit realm, in the natural realm, in the mental realm, in every realm that we live in, Father, there will, there will be blessings and increase if we follow your plan and will and stay focused on the mark and, uh, and the goal of the prize of the high calling. Father, we'll stay focused on that, uh, on that prize, Father, of the high calling. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that there is hope in following your word. There is hope in following your spirit. There is hope in following your plan and will for our lives. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, uh, we should have hope. Amen. The saddest thing in the world is to, to see a Christian... And they just seem like no, they got no hope. That what they're doing, they just, they're not happy. They, they don't see where they're going. They don't see there's any value in doing what they're doing. That's a really sad place to be, I think, amen? And yet much of the church is in that, in that place. And they shouldn't be, but, uh, but they are, amen? They're never going to get out where they're at. Well, that's, that's a sad place to be, amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering and uh, re remind our folks on, online there, they're, willing, they're always... Uh, uh, we will allow you to participate if you'd like. And so if you'd like to do that, you can go to our website. There's a link there, and you can click on that little button there. And um, you can give to the Lord, amen, like we're going to give tonight. So let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we do thank you that, that it's a blessing to give. We thank you for the opportunity to give, that you blessed us and increased us, Father, with finances to give into your kingdom. And so we thank you for that, Father, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come in, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. So uh, don't forget uh, tonight, uh, well, not tonight, but uh, Friday night, we'll have a prayer service here at the church at 7 p.m. And uh, also I'm going to remind everybody, too, um, that they're still praying here uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 8.30 in the morning. So if you'd like to come and join them, uh, you're welcome to come 
uh, and be here at 8.30. They pray from 8.30 to 9.00 on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then um, Saturday we'll have the, uh, be here at 9.30 to get ready for the uh, Strawberry Festival. And, um, and then we'll have the Strawberry Festival there. The parade starts around 12.00. Uh, and also, there's all kind of, there'll be all kinds of great food trucks down there, too, if you like uh, eating different foods. And, and um, Sunday's Mother Day and uh, church meal. And um, June the 3rd is our uh, free yard sale, right? So we've got signs on the windows there, and um, we'll put a big banner up there a week or so on that. So, um, but all right, well, y'all be blessed, and we'll see you on um, Friday. Amen.